Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by InsideTexas.com beat writer and reporter, uh, Justin Wells. Justin was at uh, Big 12 Media Days yesterday, uh, talking with uh, and meeting with not only Steve Sarkeesian, but several of the players uh, who had media appearances as well. Uh, we thought today would be a great time uh, to maybe get his feedback since he was there in person and, and try to learn a little bit more about what Justin thought of uh, what Sarkeesian and the guys had to say. Welcome in, Justin. Hey, brother. It's good to see you again, Bobby. Uh, it is good to see you. you had a long couple of days there covering the Big 12 Media Days. Um, Justin, let's let's get forward. Let's go forward. Uh, one of the pressing uh, issues that uh, I've got a number of topics here I want to go over, but uh, one of the pressing issues going into the season, obviously, is at quarterback. What was your take on what Steve Sarkeesian had to say at quarterback? My take was it feels like he said a little bit more about Quinn Ewers than he did Hudson Card. And, I, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, have some hot takes or anything like that. You know me. I'm probably the anti-hot take. And he made sure he, he talked about Hudson Card as well. You know, he talked about last year how they went through all the, all of his games. They went play-by-play, play and he actually saw incremental development over the, over the year. And he wanted Hudson to make sure he understood that. It's like, we see progress. We see the development. And then Sark even talked about bringing him you know, over the spring. He's like, we saw another step up. We saw Hudson doing that. And he felt like Quinn Ewers being there kind of brings that – you know, how competition like brings out the best. It, it's kind of made Hudson stand up uh, a little bit more, but it was hard for him to ignore just how valuable Quinn Ewers could be. And, and I want to say it was, it was a lot of, you know, he wanted people to understand Quinn Ewers was reclassified last year. This guy showed up to Ohio state after training camp had already started with none of the guys from his recruiting class, no connections to those players very little with, with some of the staff. And so it was almost like it, it just, it, it, you can't put it into perspective because it doesn't really happen where a 17 year old shows up at Ohio state ready to play college football. He said the best thing that happened for Quinn was coming into Texas in January and getting that six months of foundation. He said, every quarterback needs that regardless. But he also said there were some of the guys here at Texas that he was close to rather than in Columbus. And he said he thinks that kind of helped him with the transition as well. So my takeaway with the quarterbacks was it sounded like Quinn Ewers is, is making a strong impression, not only on the staff, but on the team. Uh, he wanted to make sure people understood Hudson Card has made progress. And this was a guy that was kind of thrown in as a freshman last year and can still be a very valuable quarterback at the next level. And I think he feels good that he has two guys like that because if you go into a season, you want to feel good about at least two quarterbacks on your roster if you don't have an entrenched starter. And I think that was the takeaway for Sark. Got it. Um, what about the what about the transfers as a whole? That's one of the topics that he, he discussed. 
Um, I, I think what's interesting, which y'all did uh, on Inside Texas, is you didn't just follow just the media day's appearances in front of the actual digital and print media. I mean, you you were copying down notes from his appearance on 104.9 The Horn, uh, <laughs> you know, and what he said there before that. And then uh, he had some stuff that was just for ESPN and just for the, 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 the television media. So you guys really kind of didn't just do one specific thing. And I know a couple different times he talked about all of the transfers, not just Quinn Ewers. Absolutely. One of the things he, he hammered home was 35 newcomers. And, and that's a third of your roster. <laughs> and, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing because he got rid of some of the malcontents from the last group. And, and even some of the players would admit, yeah, there needed to be a few guys that, that, that found other addresses for this culture and this program to progress in that direction. He said they brought in seven trans, 35 total uh, new, new scholarship guys, uh, seven transfers, 28 players. He said the key with this, with the portal, is finding impactful people that buy into what you're doing. You know, find impactful guys that fit kind of the culture you want to get. Sometimes he even mentioned there were a few guys they wanted, but they didn't know if they would be fits from a culture standpoint. You know, maybe schematically they could be, but but Sark is looking at a bigger picture. He he doesn't want just a, a one-time rental. He wants guys that are all aligned on the same, same path. So he said, that's how impactful the transfer portal can be. It can hurt you or it can help you. You bring in too many guys, you, you kind of disrupt the continuity. You bring in a few guys that have a good, unselfish attitude. He, he noted Ryan Watts came in and was as prepared as anybody, played physical, really liked what he did. He even talked about Diamante Tucker Dorsey talked about how this is a kid that's coming in with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, DeMarvion Overshone mentioned that this kid has an edge about him. And it's a, it's a kind of a want to prove myself kind of deal, because that's how you earn respect in the locker room. It, it's how you come to work every day to, and you want to prove that to your guys. And so he start really hammered home, getting the right guys from the transfer portal. Just don't go, when you go fishing, don't just catch everything because channel cat tastes like crap. Make sure you go get some of that sand bass over in Gar Bay. Make sure you go and get, get on a crappie bed. You know, be particular with the guys you get. And he noted about Quinn Ewers, Ryan Watson, and, and, and I, he really likes Tucker Dorsey being on the campus. He likes it. It adds some depth to the linebacker position. Got it. Um, obviously, others, Isaiah Nayor, Ajay Hall, Jaleel Billingsley. Uh, they've got a, a group of guys now uh, that uh, are coming in with some experience. Uh, one of the things he mentioned too, and I want to get your take on this because it can, can it, you know, it's what every coach always says. <laughs> oh, we feel different this year. The team is closer. Um, Sark tend to me uh, comes across as very genuine. Uh, so when he says, "Hey, we feel closer," I tend to believe that he actually feels that way. Um, what was your takeaway from that uh, conversation with him? and where you took it. I mean, it, is it, and does it even matter in some respects? I mean, that, that's the, the other question I would have. You know, it, he, he did talk about how there's a different feel there. I actually got a chance to, to talk to John Bianco, uh, the SID at Texas. And, and we, we, I told him, I said, you know, Sark kind of feels in his element this year. He's a little more calm. He's a little more relaxed. He, he kind of walked with a, I wouldn't say a swagger, but a, 
I know what's going on now. I belong. And, and, and Bianco made a great point to me. He said, you know, every coach after their first year coming into this thing is, is nervous. It's, it's all new. And, and you're trying to kind of establish yourself. He said, the second year is when you see coaches really, okay, now I've got a few more of my guys. Now I got a few. Now the guys know what we're going to do, what's expected. Now the guys are starting to learn the system a little bit better because they've been in it over a year. And so I think Sark was on that second year buzz. I think he realized, I think he's coming in with a little bit of confidence because he knows he has stacked the offense with talent and he's got some promising guys over on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the, Sark didn't really hammer home as much, uh, the, you know, the differences in year one and year two, it was the players. And I think that comes off better, Bobby. I, a coach speak, like you said, they're going to say the same thing. On defense, what does every defense want to do? Play fast. On offense, what's every offense want to do? Play fast, tempo, score points. I mean, that's coach speak. But the players, Bijan Robinson couldn't be more convincing. DeMarvion Overshone couldn't be more convincing. Rashawn Johnson <laughs> it deliberately, he'll tell you, we're fixing this. We, need, we knew what we needed to do. They asked Overshone and Rashawn, you know, You've taken on more of a leadership role. Where, where did you get that? Where did you learn that or inspired from it? They both said Sam Ellinger. They said, we've watched one guy basically lead an entire program for years. And that was their example. And so I don't think Sark hammered home the big difference from one to two, even though you could tell he was certainly more in his element. He was certainly more comfortable. Him and I even joked around a little bit as he was doing the radio circuit scene and the TV scene and the ESPN scene. He was in a good mood. Let me tell you something. He's consistent, Bobby. And that's what I take away from the players. He's a consistent. It's not too high. It's not too low. It's that Tony Dungy real you know, sweet spot. And the players to me were the better example of year one to year two. And we've heard that before from guys, but there was something about it yesterday. That's good. No, it was just something to it. I, I think it's one thing for a coach to say it or for the leader to say it. It's another thing for the, the actual people involved in the doing, right? I mean, it's one thing for a coach to call plays, but if the, if, if the Jimmys and Joes don't go out there and make it happen, it, it doesn't really matter at all. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I look at this, and one of the questions that came up in the main session of the media days uh, had, to do, uh, with, uh, had to do with the type of players Sark is recruiting right now. Um, and it had to do with he just didn't think he knew immediately in the interview, he said, that he didn't have enough big body types. Uh, and so that was a priority from day one. Uh, you know, as it, as it relates to recruiting, what did you get a feel for him there uh, and, and the type of player he's trying to recruit right now? Well, you know, if, you, if, if you're talking specifics on the offensive line, that was one of the best quotes of, of the entire event. You know, they asked him, you know, when did you know you needed bigger humans in this program. And he said, the interview, it was actually brought up in the interview. And, and he's like, since then, we've known we have to add size. And that was, it was one of the funniest things talking to the players, Bobby, because you could say, you know, and I asked each one of them the same question. What, what's, you know, what's your impression of these, these early or these, these, these freshman offensive linemen and each one, their face spoke so much more than their words. I mean, Overshone's eyes just got big. He said, I had to look up at Cam. I just <laughs> looked up at him and watched him. And, you know, Overshone's not a small guy. Bijan's like, I'm going to enjoy 
the year, the few years I have maybe to run behind some of these large humans. That kind of was kind of the, the vernacular everybody used. And so um, I think, you know, Kyle, we know Kyle Flood has the most stroke when it comes to what offensive lineman you bring in. He has a type. And we know that. And they're, they're going to be big. They're going to have a reach and they're going to be mean and nasty. But I think overall, uh, you know, Sark's message was kind of getting the right guys in the right spots. Uh, you know, I thought it was really interesting when he talked about Bijan. He said, you know, everybody knows what Bijan's going to bring. Everybody knows how talented he is and what he does on and off the field. He said, but we owe it to Bijan to surround him with weapons. It's our job to make sure because de defensive coordinators, we all know we're going to key in on number five. That's, that's well, it, I, I want to say this because I, I went to school at Texas in the late 80s, early 90s. And it reminds me somewhat of when Eric Metcalf, if Eric Metcalf's offense would have been appreciably better had there been more talent around Eric Metcalf. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I'm not saying that Eric Metcalf and Bijan are the same play, player because they're no, decidedly no, no. not. It but they are two great players, in my opinion. Um, and if you don't put all of the pieces around them, uh, you mitigate the value of, of the, the brightest star, essentially. And no question. And Sark, that wasn't a question that, that was asked. Coach Sark brought that up. He's like, you know, we got a great guy back there, but he's only as good as we, the weapons we put around him. He, and we knew in the, he said in the offseason, we knew we had to inject more talent. He even brought up Brendan Thompson on the big stage. He's like, we needed to add speed. He's a 10-2 track guy. And I know there's, there might not be a bigger Brendan Thompson fan at Inside Texas than Bobby Burton. And when he's like, when we bring in that 10-2 guy, we're, that's what we want. That's the that's, that's, They want that as the standard. And so it's, it's funny. He's, you can see the bar for each position, especially on offense. He's an offensive guy. And so I, I think from an O-line standpoint, getting bigger. From a running back standpoint, surrounding those guys with more weapons. And then just adding so much more receivers where you've got a healthy Jordan Whittington. you got Xavier Worthy coming back. But now you've got, you know, Isaiah Nayor out there who, who could be the top receiver on the team. A Jai Hall who could could get his way into the rotation. And so if there was a type, it seems like each, each spot has something uh, that, that Sark definitely desires. Interestingly, uh, he didn't just talk about the offensive line. He was also talking about the defensive line. And he had some really nice things to say about Bo Davis, Steve Sarkeesian did. He considers Bo Davis the best defensive line coach in the country. And it doesn't come off as coach speak. You know, every coach is going to tell you one or two of his position coaches, I think they're the best in the country. I mean, Mike Gundy couldn't talk about their strength and conditioning coach enough. I think he went 11 minutes on it. And so, yeah, each one of them have that, that, that kind of, you know, vernacular. But <laughs> it's funny because Sark, um, he has a type <laughs> just like anybody else. And so, um, yeah, it, yeah, I, th I, I think where they're at and, and kind of what, what what he was building and, and what he was talking about, I, I think it aligns with everything they've put in place. The staff being here, he even remarked, he opened up with, you know, he felt like he failed the program last year. And after six weeks of cramming in, in June and, and in part of July in the summer, he said he took a step back to review what he's done. And he said, I noticed some things that I, I didn't do well. I noticed a few things that did well. And he goes, I have to continually build myself on that and to, to improve that year to year so that the team gets better year to year. And so I think Sark was very transparent, very open. And 
forgot for coaches, we've had to cover at the University of Texas over the last five to six years. That's a, a welcome sight. Um, Texas, uh, the, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Texas brought Ovio Gofu and um, uh, DeMarvian Overshone to the event. But it's interesting to me, one of the first names out of, uh, out of uh, uh, Sark's, name, uh, Sark's mouth when he was talking about defense was linebacker Jalen Ford and his progression. Not only was Sark talking about Jalen Ford, DeMarvion Overshone was talking about Jalen Ford. Ovi was talking about Jalen Ford. Uh, Jalen Ford, there was a handful of names of guys because, you know, every time you get that question. Uh, uh, yeah, no, that, that's a good topic. Who were the uh, – besides? so I want you to continue on Jalen Ford for a sec, but who were some of the other guys that you got the sense that the team as a whole was very high on outside okay. of the ones that were already there? Okay, Jalen Ford was number one. Nobody meant there was not a name mentioned more than Jalen Ford. And this is a guy that he's going into his third season at Texas. You know, people may not know this. This was the guy that, that, that Texas kind of snagged really late in that cycle from Utah. And when you're taking a, a highly evaluated player from Utah, you're probably getting a guy that can contribute. And so Jalen Ford was the one that, that really everyone was speaking about guy. And they Bobby the need for a Jalen Ford at inside linebacker cannot be measured how important it is. It can't just be overshown. It has to be somebody on that other side. And, and please, you know, people that may not know, Jalen Ford's mother was a tremendous athlete. She was part of a, a, the 4A state championship track team at Kilgore High School in the mid-80s. She, she was a phenomenal athlete, and that translates. He's also a highly intelligent kid. And so Jalen Ford is the guy that, you know, we'd heard about it in practice reports. We'd heard the summer workouts. He was becoming more and more in his element. And I think going into his third season, that's kind of where he's breaking out. Baron Sorrell, if that's another guy that, that – and I'll admit that that's somebody that we've talked about at Inside Texas because he is – his work ethic, according to the players, is outstanding. His, his work mentality, it's not just the work ethic, it's the mentality to get better. And Sorrell has surpassed that – this is a guy they need to be good. How bad they need Ford at middle linebacker? They need Sorrell to be quality on that edge if they're going to get to the passer. I was going to say this. That brings me back to something that Mora Ojomo and that very rare glimpse behind the program mentioned. He goes, I don't know what Baron Sorrell is going to be, but he's going to be the best at whatever he can be. And that's a great quote. You, you know what I mean? It, that, that wasn't the exact quote, but that was the right. The, paraphrase. The, the, that was the feel from it. And I was like, okay, this means this guy's serious about what he wants to do. And that that's good that Sorrell is getting mentioned by other, by other players as well. Anybody else besides him, besides those two? Uh, uh, you know, I'm, try I'm trying to thank Brendan Thompson got a little bit of love. They think he's the guy that can take the top off of an offense. Uh, it, it's one of those things where you got Xavier worthy on one side and Brendan Thompson on the other. So pick your poison. And if you got two safeties, they have to pay attention to both of those in the back. You're going, you're going to move down the field. You're going to give what the defense gives you. And so um, I'm trying to think of a few other names. Cameron Williams was mentioned a few times. Now, granted, he's only gone through the summer workouts, you know, as the freshman. He has, it hasn't really gotten physical yet. And I think the defensive players are okay with that because the, the fact, you know, each, each player, when we said, you know, what's this new O-line group look like? Each one's eyes got really, really big. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Sorry about that brief interruption. We had uh, some technical difficulties. Uh, Justin, you were talking about Cam Williams and, and what folks were seeing in him. Yeah, that was one of the questions I asked every one, every one of the players and Coach Sart. You know, what's your impression of these these early freshmen on O-linemen? And the, the answer was the same with everyone. These are large humans. Uh, Cam Williams was the most notable. He he came out listed on the roster, six foot seven, 374 pounds. Uh, we've let her learn. He's not Time out. Time out. Let's just. <laughs> But for, for let that breathe. Six foot seven, three hundred and seventy-four pounds. And if you've seen Cam over the summer, it's never looked better. Uh, I think he's more around the three fifty range, three forty-five, three fifty range. Uh, but but large. Another funny thing that Bijan noted, he's like, these kids are serious to compete. And we said, how so? He said, well, I was in you know in weight sessions one one morning with with Kelvin Banks, and I went over and kind of made a little joke about, you know, made a little joke, you know, to open up the morning. And he looked at me like, why are you interrupting me while I'm working out? I I'm here at work, bro. And, and Bijan, he was kind of taken back. He said, these guys mean business. And so, yeah, that was kind of the, the takeaway from, from, you know, the guys that coach Sark's looking for the guys, coach flood, the, the collection. Um, yeah. Those old offensive linemen have made an impression. Devon Campbell was also mentioned. That's a kid that we've talked about it very athletic, very scrappy, very strong. And we expect, uh, and another guy is Cole Hudson. Uh, the guy that he was the early enrollee out of Frisco. He's made such an impression on this program because he's a kid that can play three positions, Bobby. He can play center, he can play guard, he can play tackle. And I think you're definitely going to see him play some center and some guard uh, this fall. I, I got to say, based on some things I've seen, I, I love Cole Hudson if he can make Ooh. it in center. Um, I just feel like he's got the kind of nastiness uh, you want at that position. Uh, he's not um, he's not a quote unquote big human as in the six foot seven, 350 pound gargantuans that that he's still that, a big uh, kid though. Yeah, he's still big. No, no, you, you know, not undersized by any stretch, right? But right, right. Um, if you put him in the middle of that with his athleticism at center eventually, I, I just think that's a uh, that'd be a win-win for Cole Hudson as well as the Texas offensive line. Um, a couple other things that I wanted to mention. Uh, we had, at Inside Texas had reported uh, that Jade Barron was locking down the star position. We did that fairly early in the spring. But you also, Jalen Gilbo did not finish spring uh, because of uh, some off-field issues. Correct. But we had mentioned that he had been running behind uh, Barron in workouts. And then Steve Sarkeesian yesterday calls out Jalen Gilbo uh, on the interview with the Horn and talks about uh, about that. I, I felt like that was a good reporting by us to say that, that we had said that we had heard that he was running right. there. Uh, but for a true freshman to try to run that spot, that's a pretty important spot to rely on a true freshman. And, you know, Bobby, to be honest, I, I wasn't expecting Jalen Gilbo to be in that conversation as a yeah, freshman. Yeah, no, that, that's what I'm saying. That's one of those guys, like yeah. we mentioned, we've mentioned already Jalen Ford, Baron Sorrell, Cam Williams, Brennan Thompson. 
you add a guy like uh, Jalen Gilbo to that mix, all of a sudden you're starting to see some depth at other positions. And, and with Gilbo, understand, this is a kid from the Golden Triangle. He's a Port Arthur Memorial kid. They come with an edge. They, they play with a certain, a certain swagger. And if you, if you want to have a guy like that, you want him at defensive back. You want those guys to, to have that kind of that dog mentality and, and, and quick memory. Yeah, Gilbo is a guy that he was making inroads before he didn't finish spring ball. He was making an impression on not just the coaches and the staff, but also the players. They, they love that work ethic and, and, and the vibe that he brought to that locker room. And so it just goes to show you there, this, this group is recruiting a certain type of player. It's a, there's a character box that these kids have to check. And, and, and that, that's, I, I've noticed that with a lot of these 2023 kids, not only 2022. And so it, with Barron playing that nickel spot, that star, uh, I think that's tremendous. Um, and, and, and it's funny because the, they need some depth back there. And with so much movement in the, in the, uh, with safeties, he, he talked about Keaton Crawford being moved to free safety, how that's really given them another jolt of athleticism back there. He noted about how Jaron Thompson's back there playing both safeties. Anthony Cook's back there having to play both safeties. They want that versatility. And the fact that you could put Barron and Gilbo over at nickel and you got Jamison and you got Watts and you got Terrence Brooks and you got those guys in ish Ibrahim kind of locking down the corner spots. The secondary's depth and talent is increasing each year, which is exactly what you want with the second year head coach. We've talked a lot about what uh, B. John Robinson said, Ovia Gofu, uh, as well as DeMarvian Overshone. Uh, but you and I know that we, be, you and I know that Roshan Johnson, who is also there, is the backbone, if not the leader of the team at some level. I mean, he is the guy that everybody points to as an example, right? Uh, yes, yeah. What, what did you hear from him yesterday? Spe more specifically, what did he talk about? It's funny, Bobby, with Bijan Robinson, I've come to the conclusion that it, it, it's as good as it is true. And, and, and we've kind of known this and we've talked to him, you know, we, we've interviewed him a ton of times. We've been, it's his third year. So there's a lot of familiarity there, but really, you know, Rashawn Johnson's the backbone. He's the guy that stands up and says, we're going to show up on Saturdays. This is, this isn't negotiable. He does that because Bijan's not so much the take charge rah, rah guy. Whereas Rashawn will call you out. It's a good thunder and lightning type of combination. And, and Bijan, the first thing he's going to tell you is how thankful he is for Rashawn Johnson. I mean, that's Bijan's nature. He's a grateful person. In his eyes, he's a servant of the Lord. And so he's always going to defer to other people. It's just his personality. Bijan was on that, on that microphone for 35 minutes. And that was way over what any of the other players did. And I was talking to Joe Cook and Ian Boyd about it afterwards. And I thought, you know, Texas trusts this kid so much to say the right things at the right time. They just set him up there and let him go. And, and, and it was impressive because they asked him about NIL. And, and he says, look, you know, NIL is great, but it's not, it's not my goal. It's not part of the – and I like to make sure the team is involved with it. And they understand – that's not what I'm here for. I'm here for the team. He, he, he overwhelmingly went, went on about that. He went on about how he, he loved how this offensive line is starting to grow and gel together. He loved that the team. I said, what's the difference in last spring and this spring? And he's like, Justin, night and day, literally night and day. So, so you're saying you're saying that Roshan Johnson didn't talk much at all. And it was more of the Bijan Robinson 
at the yes. mic type thing. Now, if you know Rashawn, which I've been fortunate enough to cover Rashawn since he was at Port Nature's Groves. Um, he's a kid that I know his head coach, Brian Faircloth, fairly well. Uh, he's actually at Sulphur Springs now. Faircloth told me one time, I, I, you know, when Rashawn graduated, I told him, look, my daughter's growing. And by the time she gets to college and, and beyond, you need to be ready to marry her. You need to be <laughs> ready to, to take her hand down the aisle and say, look, you have my blessing already. You've got it. That's how endearing he is. But you have to understand, Rashawn, in this element of like, you know, the, the Q&A back and forth press conference, Bijan loves that because he knows what to say and he knows how to say it. Rashawn doesn't really care for that spotlight. You can tell he's not uncomfortable up there, but it's more of how much longer do I have to do this? Because I've got work to do. I've got things to focus on. This is a not a distraction. I'm thankful to be here, but you know, I love the question, you know, when we talked about, cause Sark called him the alpha and he said, he's, he's the leader of the bunch. And, and I loved what he said. He goes, you know, it wasn't just, it, it, you know, how did you get that? And he said, someone needed to do it. He said, I grew up in and, 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 and if something needed to be done, you get in there and do it. And that's a work, work ethic he had at PNG. People don't realize that guy was the hardest worker in that program. First to get there, last to leave type kid. Rashawn's not the gift of gab. Not on a press conference. You get, I don't think. I don't think home. anybody. I, Rashawn's hey. a fun kid. Listen, Rashawn's a fun kid. If you get him off camera, off the record, he is a, a a fun kid, a smart, mature kid, but fun. You get him in in the setting like that we had yesterday, where Bijan can just bounce off questions for thirty five minutes with the smile that just glows at AT and T Stadium, and then you got Rashawn for fifteen saying, "Okay, I'll answer your questions," but then guys, I got to get back to work. <laughs> Here, here's the here's the issue it reminds me of an old teddy roosevelt quote uh walk softly but carry a big stick <laughs> that's that's uh that sounds like uh, what Rashawn johnson's plan is in life um hey uh before we let you go overall tenor of the i you know we talked a lot about various nuances of yesterday uh, and what we heard and what you heard and experienced there you joe and um ian boyd as well of all of that, what's your primary takeaway? You know, Bobby, I've been fortunate enough to, to do this for 11 years now. And every year we go to Big 12 Media Days, it's always a positive bravado, often false bravado, but it's always this is going to be the year or this is our, our, our year to, to see development. This is and you usually come away with, okay, the kids are going in with a positive attitude, but you know, it may be a house of cards. We don't really know until we see it on the field. This was, I think, the first time where it was such a collective agreement on how things are operating. You know, Bijan made a point to say, look, I love Stan Drayton, and he helped me in so many ways to get to, you know, to where I'm at right now as a father figure almost. He said, but Tashar Choice has meant everything. He said he's brought in this, this mentality that's never good enough. And, and, and you know, Bijan even mentioned, he said, when I would do one thing wrong with Coach Drayton, he would, you know, tell me, hey, you need to do this or look at that. If he does one thing wrong with choice, choice jumps him and he loves it. He wants to be coached up. He says he's kind of like that big brother that's always going to push you and he's always on it. It's never enough. And so my overall tenor was the collective everyone was really on the same page. I know that sounds so cliche 
And, and we won't really know that until we see the adversity hit these guys in, in week two. Looks like we're losing Justin one last time. Uh, Justin Wells, InsideTexas.com, uh, was at Media Days this weekend. Appreciate his time. Uh, we will definitely get back to him again next week. Also, uh, don't forget, Jerry Hamilton is at the Future 50 event where six different Longhorn targets are competing in Orlando uh, among the nation's best in recruiting. I'll, I'll hear from Jerry probably this weekend as well. For Justin Wells, I'm Bobby Burton. Thanks for watching. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.